It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to some of the events that will be in the news over the coming days. I'm Robert Muller. That means nuclear power and what the new deals with China mean for investors over the coming months. We'll also ask what keeps the spooks up at night. Then there's Volkswagen, something for everyone. Its debt is held by some of the biggest pension funds in Europe and in Britain, and its cars are driven by tens of millions of people worldwide. And what about America? We'll be getting a look at how the world's largest economy fared in the third quarter. I'm joined by Robin Pagnamenta, The Times Energy Editor, Robert Lee, our Industrial Editor, and on the line from New York, Alexandra Freen, US Business Editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. Robin, let's start with China and the nuclear deal. It's finally been signed, but in the weeks and months ahead, what about a start date? And which sectors are really going to benefit from the flow-down effect of all this money coming to, I suppose, starting with Hinkley Point? First of all, I have to correct you slightly because it's not quite signed. We're still awaiting a final investment decision. So although all the all the signs are that this deal is going ahead, we haven't actually had a fully signed legal document. So that there is... Yesterday, EDF said that uh, work could start on the site within weeks. I would expect this sort of final wrangling over the detail might take a little longer. Uh, either way, I think that, you know, sometime probably early in the new year, we're going to start seeing uh, work begin on this site. You know, it's a very long construction phase. You know, they're, they're saying that the um, the station will be in operation in 2025. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a decade of construction. It will probably gear up relatively slowly. They're saying that 60% of the £18 billion uh, cost will go to UK companies. Uh, and we already know some of those companies because EDF has already announced £1.5 billion worth of contracts. Uh, they're going to the likes of Rolls-Royce, um, Balfour Beatty, uh, Kia, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, civil engineering firms. Um, most of the work that they will do will be in the sort of civils and the, the kind of big concrete and, and sort of engineering work. But the, but it's, it's worth bearing in mind that um, the real sort of top value work, the nuclear island and the sort of reactor components uh, will be made uh, mostly in France. Uh, because ultimately this is a, a, essentially a French-led project. Bob, if I can bring you in here, these are many of the companies that you talk to almost on a daily basis. Looking in purely stock market terms, were these deals so well known about or have they been priced into the, sh- into the shares, do you think? Or is there more to come, some practical bounce from them? I think for the big civil engineers, we've known that they've got some big contracts coming down the line. It has been factored in. We know about Hinkley Point, we know about HS2. 
got to remember for the civils, this is kind of, uh, it's, it's the, the lower end of the food chain. They're on pretty sort of uh, minimal margins. It's not the high end, the real value stuff, which Robin was talking about, the French stuff. That's all going to France. Uh, what our fellows are doing is actually, yeah, they're doing some construction, they're filling some uh, concrete, but uh, they they're not got the high end stuff. So there's not going to be a massive stock market bounce for these companies. Robin, there has been, we, we alluded to the security aspect. I mean, is national security engendered by having I mean, China and France, but if you like, foreign governments, state-backed governments, uh, entities looking at our nuclear power, if you like? Well, I mean, obviously it depends who you speak to. There are those who think that allowing a Chinese company significant control over such a, a sensitive piece of national infrastructure is it, you know, it does raise issues. But, I mean, it's also worth remembering that Chinese companies are already involved in key pieces of UK infrastructure, you know, Heathrow Airport and, you know, uh, Thames Water, etc., etc. So it's not, this isn't the first, I mean, n- nuclear is perhaps a, a step further, but uh, this isn't the first time um, we've had a deal along these lines. I think that I'm sure over the coming months and years, you know, the UK security agencies will be very interested in this whole project. And, and, and it's worth pointing out here that, you know, there are significant concerns. One of the Chinese nuclear companies, which has been named in a US cyber espionage case, is actually 10% owned by CGN, which is one of the, which is the, the company that's involved in this deal. So they're not, they're not entirely ludicrous concerns. I think there's some interesting issues here. We've got to split out what the Chinese are getting involved for. Basically, we want the Chinese over here because we want their money, we want their investment. Are they actually really bringing skills to this project? That's really debatable. The same argument is for HS2. The railway industry is like saying, yeah, we'd love to have some uh, Chinese investment, but we actually don't need their railway railway skills. We've got them here, or we've got them in France, with the TGV and what have you. So it's an interesting thing about what we actually want the Chinese for, and it's actually we want their money. Alex, can I bring you in here from New York? Having this debate about security uh, or the security aspects of the deal could this happen in america it's hard to see something like this um, happening in america without there being a huge row in congress americans are much more insular much more self-sufficient than um than europeans um, we, we think of america as being this big global power but actually it is pretty much self-sufficient in energy and food if it wanted to be with infrastructure it's very sensitive when it looked like a, an arab state controlled operator was going to get access to u.s ports a few years ago through a deal to buy a port operator, Congress went nuts and there was big opposition. So it's it's hard to see that that one would fly. That said, American infrastructure is exposed to foreign investment because Britain's own national grid is a big player in the electricity market in, in New England and uh, nobody really seems to have noticed that. Well, well, let's move swiftly or switch swiftly from nuclear power to horsepower or rather diesel-powered Volkswagens. Bob, you've been looking at this. We're expecting some third-quarter numbers from, from Volkswagen. Do you think that is going to give us anything like a better glimpse into what the debacle over the diesel-powered Volkswagens has done to the company? I think um, Dieselgate, as it's uh, known in the industry now... um, That's original, isn't it? It's an original. In terms of the actual financial effects of Volkswagen, it really is uh, how long is a piece of string. They've so far set aside uh, about... $7 $7 billion um, dollars for dealing with this, uh, no one believes that figure. Uh, there's some figures out from Credit Suisse the other day who they're putting out a conservative estimate, this costing $26 billion, and they were saying it cost as much as $87 billion. That's a lot of Volkswagen Golfs. 
the, the situation is we, we don't know, and probably Volkswagen don't know either. Uh, the analogy uh, would be, say, uh, BP and uh, Deepwater Horizon. The estimates of the cost for that kept on going up. What the analysts actually really believe for Volkswagen is that this this isn't a BP. This is a BP plus an Enron. Enron being that uh, energy company in the US, which went bust fifteen years fifteen years or so ago. So this this is. This is potentially huge. Whether we get some more information on uh, or clarity on uh, these numbers, uh, one would hope so because they've had um, a few weeks to uh, get their heads around it. The costs for this uh, are there's a multitude of different costs. There's um, reimbursements, which um, uh, customers will want. Uh, there'll be civil uh, and criminal cases. Uh, there'll be the actual fixing of the hardware and the software on cars to deal with the emission problem. And then there's, I mean, the whole load of ambulance-chasing lawyers will be saying to people like you, who, uh, you, Robert, who uh, own a uh, Volkswagen yeah. diesel... A uh, stricken one, I imagine. A, a stricken one. Uh, people like you will be... Or people like you might be being advised by lawyers to say there's a loss of value in your vehicle. So you, there'll be a whole load of uh, people, and we're talking about millions of people around the world, who'll be uh, wanting to know whether they're, um, they can have a piece of VW in the, in the courts. Robin, from, from an energy point of view, is this going to have any effect on the dynamics of the market? Are people going to suddenly start ditching diesel and moving towards it? And would we even have the refining capacity to cope with such a massive switchover? Well, I guess uh, it may accelerate a sort of existing trend uh, away from diesel, particularly in Europe, where where people are you know getting increasingly concerned about emissions and air quality. So I suppose I can see it you know uh, being a an accelerating factor in an existing trend. Yeah. And do we have the refining capacity? I've always understood that diesel was priced at a slightly higher premium because refining capacity basically hasn't been increased in this country for decades. Uh, certainly in this country, there are constraints on, on refining capacity, yeah. Alex, uh, over there in New York, of course, the whole scandal started there, didn't it? I mean, how is it unfolding in America? Well, there's a, there's a new wrinkle that we're about to see because in America, VW is based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the local and state authorities there have paid hundreds of millions of dollars to VW over the years in the form of tax credits and in capital grants to persuade it to locate its operations there. And there are questions now as to whether that money should be clawed back from uh, VW, and that, money is, that uh, issue is going to be debated in the uh, state legislature on October 29th. There's also the question of should the tax credits given to people who bought clean, so supposedly clean VW vehicles be clawed back. And then let's not forget that in the United States, the environmental regulators are way more powerful than the car safety regulators and have much greater uh, penalties at their disposal. So this is going to be a, a huge wallop to VW. You may recall that, you know, when Toyota got done in America over its uh, floor mat safety issue, you know, that the total cost came in the low billions. This is going to be much, much, much higher because the environmental regulators at a federal level, and don't forget that the Californian uh, environmental regulators are also involved in this case, they've got much stronger powers and and they like to use them. Bob, you mentioned this is this is a very, very serious situation for Volkswagen and indeed its whole future. But part of this package is Volkswagen's debt, isn't it? It, it uses, it finances special deals, it issues bonds, and those are held by pension funds, as we mentioned before. Is there a danger to investors from this? Plainly there is. The way you've got to look at uh, the big car companies is that they're, they're actually a massive credit finance house with a car-making business on the side. Very few people actually buy their cars outright. They buy their cars on credit. 
if the whole credit situation begins to come into some form of uh, confusion, you might start defaulting on debts. That's going to affect all investors. Uh, it could get really, really messy. Can Volkswagen survive? Uh, my personal view is I think they can. But really, it, uh, because their reputation is so strong, uh, they make uh, terrific products. But it kind of depends who gets their teeth into them. OK, well, Alex, can I bring you in here again? We've got some uh, third quarter growth numbers in America. What are they going to tell us? They are going to show us uh, that there, there will have been a slowdown in the third quarter. You know, the best forecasts now are for um, third quarter growth of uh, 1.5%. Barclays has just tracked down its forecast to 1.2%. And that's really a result of the economy being hit harder by the global slowdown. Mining and commodity production mainly oil production, has really been hit very hard and much harder than, than most people thought, and the knock-on effects of that have been greater. That said, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, consumption growth is still powering ahead. Domestic-oriented manufacturing is is doing okay. So there, there will be a slowdown, and we'll just have to hope that all those hundreds of millions, in fact, apparently U.S. Uh, motorists have saved $100 billion from fuel prices over the last year. If people could only go out and spend that money, right now, right now they haven't been, um, but if they can be persuaded to do that, um, things will pick up again. How is this all going to tie into the, the uh, this month's uh, Federal Reserve interest rate decision, do you think? Oh, what it's going to do is make the Fed uh, even more nervous and it's going to push back the chances of a rise in interest rates into 2016. I think it's highly unlikely now that we will get a raise um, in uh, this month or at the Fed's December meeting. They're just, they're just too nervous and they, there are too many uncertainties now. Well, with all this money, apparently, that consumers have saved, we're going to get some full-year results from Apple. Has the dream ended? Well, you would think that Apple would be in a terrible situation because it relies so heavily on China uh, for um, growth. Uh, 18% of its sales are in China, which is you know, nearly a fifth. And you would think it would be horribly hit by the slowdown in economic growth in China and by the stronger dollar. But that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, Apple has already factored in the, the effects of the dollar. And if you look at what analysts are saying, they're, they're pretty upbeat. I mean, I've got in front of me a list of analyst ratings for Apple that cover the period from the market uncertainty. And they're, they're all buy recommendations. Um, growth will not be spectacular, but it'll be pretty good. Good. There's lots of new products. Analysts are already start. We've only just had the iPhone, uh, the new iPhone 6 release, but analysts are already getting excited about the iPhone 7, which they're expecting next year. So it's far too early to write off Apple. Are you a consumer, Robin? I am a consumer. Do you believe? Uh, I have to say that purely as a consumer, I, I, I think that Apple's lost its touch um, and that their, their products uh, no longer justify the premium that they charge. Bob? industrial editor the new world this apple what do you think it's a very new world and i always love my blackberry but i had it taken off me oh dear that sounds like thing alex would you be a buyer or a seller of apple oh i i would be a buyer i mean i love the products um and i just think that looking at what the analysts are saying that there, there is plenty of room for, for stocks to go up i mean the piper jeffrey analyst who's 
Gene Munster, who's a veteran analyst of Apple, has, has expecting Apple shares to power up to higher than 170 um, next year, by the end of next year. That's from current levels of about 115 today. So that, that would look good to me. Well, it sounds like a buy, sell and hold. Take your pick. Thank you all for that. And that's it for now. But do remember to keep up to date with all our financial news on our website. And uh, if you're a Time subscriber, you can sign up to the daily morning and lunchtime emails. That's for everything you need to know wherever you are. And if you don't have a subscription, there's a special £1 offer, which you'll find by going to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Robin Pagnamenta, Robert Lee, and in New York, Alexandra Freen. They are on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com (laughs) 